It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. And by the way, you can join us during the week on Fox Business Network, FBN, 4 to 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. And if you can't make it at 4, you can text your favorite 9-year-old and she will show you how to DVR the show. The show does play again at 7 to 8. And here on radio, you can live stream us on the Internet, LarryKudlowShow.com, LarryKudlowShow.com all around the country, throughout the world, and the solar system, including the Milky Way. So let's do some stock market work. Big week for stocks, up 855 points, most of it the last two days, Thursday and Friday. And the rise in stocks, accompanied by a large decline in interest rates, the market rates, uh, wow, two-year note down 40 basis points, 40 basis points, the 10-year bond, 10-year uh, note down 26 basis points. The 10-year is 421. For those of you who follow these things, that thing was over 5% a few weeks ago. So it's dropped not quite one full percentage point, but that's quite a move. Not surprisingly, the stocks love it, discounting higher future earnings and cash flows. So let's talk about this story looks like a bull market, I guess. Jack Berugian, chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group, and Jim LeCamp, senior vice president for investments at Morgan Stanley. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Uh, Jack Berugian, interest rates down and stocks up. I don't want to make this any harder than it needs to be. Well, you know what? If you're a portfolio manager and you're not fully invested in this environment, you're going to be losing your job. <laughs> and I think that, quite frankly, what we have seen over the course of these last few sessions are portfolio managers that were usually caught on the wrong side of the trade. You know, uh, it, there's an old saying uh, on the street that the, usually people trading after Thanksgiving are those that have to trade. And the reason is because a lot of people usually are, have closed their books by then, or, or at least have slowed things down. So, so you're really seeing that impact, especially when, when you see this move that we just saw in the 10-year. But, Larry, you know, you, you said how high the 10-year the went. Remember, it, it was also as low as three and a quarter. So this move that we've seen in the 10 years trading like the S&P 500, it went from three and a quarter to over 5%. This volatility we're seeing in the long end of the curve is, is a red flag in and of itself. And, and it's something that, that people have to be very, very cautious of because what we're doing now is we're pricing in a, a perfect soft landing. And I had an old mentor that used to be a manager at the Harvard Endowment Fund, and he used to say to me, Jack, when they're pricing imperfection, beware. And, and I believe that's where we're at right now. Well, so uh, you're going to sell the market, Tim LeCamp? You know, I, I agree with Jack. I, uh, the, the market, if you look at economic diffusion indices, 
uh, they've really turned down in October, and uh, we're pricing in a soft landing. But a lot of there, a lot of economic deterioration is in place. Yeah. And uh, you look at the, this market, Larry. It's traded perfectly with the calendar all year. Uh, early in the year, we rallied, uh, had a little hiccup in the late summer, as we usually do. Then we started rallying in November, like we usually do. And the breadth uh, started to expand a little bit. Uh, I noted the Russell broke out this week, which is a long time coming on that. If we stick with the calendar, then the next uh, week or two, we might see some weakness followed by some strength right at year end. But after that, I think we have some issues. I, I think the, uh, uh, the the credit situation that we're seeing with credit a little tighter, um, although financial conditions uh, indices have improved, so we have to tap the brakes on that a little bit. But uh, the bottom line, and we saw the ISM numbers come out, uh, they dipped down. The, uh, the diffusion indices are the weakest that we've seen uh, since July. So I, I think we're going to have to tap the brakes a little bit once we get to the end of the year, not to mention the fact that valuations are really pushing it, considering what the economy is doing. So I do think this expectation of a soft landing may be premature. Joe Lavornia was on about a half hour ago. He's a very distinguished Wall Street economist, worked in the White House. Uh, he thinks we're heading for a deflationary recession. He thinks we may already be in a recession, Jack Bruggen. Now, that's an interesting contrary view. But uh, as Jim LeCamp was suggesting, you've got a lot of, lot of sloppy numbers out there, leading, leading economic indicators falling 19 straight months. Mm-hmm. The ISMs for manufacturing are down. Continuing claims uh, for uh, mm-hmm. unemployment are rising, and not, nobody pays any attention to that, but they should. I mean, I think it's a very mixed bag. The other thing, Larry, is something that you brought out a few months back, and you were probably the first one to bring it up, and that is money supply. Mm -hmm. We have seen a a huge decrease in money supply, something that we have not seen in decades. Uh, And and that is something that that could come back to haunt us also. But you're right. It it seems as if we're looking at what I would call a deferred recession. You know, know, it's it's almost like when you pull – profits forward in pricing stocks. Uh, We've almost deferred our recession and pushed it out another few months. But I I think, you know, uh, I think that that he's spot on. I think we're looking at a disinflationary, recessionary condition that's going to probably hit the market and more than likely start at the beginning of 24 and work its way throughout the year. You know, remember, when you look at commodity prices, they're they're in many cases, you know, a, a, a two-thirds of where they were at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. uh, half of where they were in the beginning of the year. In some cases, you've seen complete you know, bear markets in, in some of the commodities. So you know, that's telling you something, except for gold. And gold is rallying and breaking out, Larry. Mm-hmm. And that is the one market that I look at that, that whenever I, I do my analysis on everything else, it, it, it puts out you know, a big warning signal, like, why is gold doing what it's doing in this environment? And it's, 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 it's a little scary. Uh, why it's is it? That, that we need to it. Because why well, is it? It, it, feels, it feels as if gold is telling us that the, the Fed is faced with two choices, currency debasement or, or a complete deflationary recession. And they're well, probably Bitcoin's telling you the same thing. Yeah. So, so, and and that's what I worry about, Larry. I worry that the, that they're going to let 
They're going to let happen to the market what happened, you know, throughout the the 40s and 50s. They're going to just debase us out of of this problem. And if that's the case, every saver, everything that we've been taught to do over the course of our lifetimes is wrong. Or alternatively, though, you listen to Jay Powell, um, he's still quite hawkish. And the Fed might want to deflate. Remember, they got a 2% inflation target. And even though the inflation rate is uh, a lot lower than it was a year or a year and a half ago, it's a little more than 3%, the Fed wants to meet its target. I mean, Jay Powell's got a lot of religion on that. So I just wonder whether, I mean, I don't know what gold is telling us. Uh, Bitcoin, yeah, thirty. it's almost th- back to 39,000, up 2.7% left. Bitcoin is up 135% year to date. 135%. It is the single best performer in my entire stock sheet, and I've got so many damn things here. But Bitcoin is scary. Let me ask you about another. Uh, Jim LeCamp down there in, uh, in uh, the oil patch. Um, so OPEC Plus is continuing its uh, production cuts, but uh, oil is not listening. Brent crude. Well, voluntary. Brent crude, $79, okay? West Texas, $74. I'm going to sneeze. Anyhow, um, what do you make of that? Okay, so a lot of that has to do with U.S. production, which is really high. And that's um, uh, that's interesting because the rig count is down in the U.S. quite a bit over the last year. And what that implies is ultimately we're going to run into a massive depletion wall and you're going to see prices rise. And I think that's why, despite the huge output in the U.S., which is now significantly higher than Saudi Arabia, and this is despite Exxon, Chevron, et cetera, not committing uh, a large amount of new projects uh, this, uh, that they normally would have done when prices uh, clipped north of about 75. They didn't do it, and that's why the rig count's not up. But they've been squeezing uh, more blood out of the turnip, and that's good news in the short run. It's kept prices low, but the strategic petroleum reserves have not been replenished. And we're going to hit depletion walls in the oil patch. Ultimately, we're going to have a real problem. The other issue with oil prices, in my view, is that Wall Street is saying, hey, we may be going into either a soft landing or a recession. If so, that would imply less energy demand. Uh, But but we're not seeing it uh, with the airlines. We're not seeing it with stocks like uh, booking uh, holdings. Uh, Those are all rallying here. You you look at uh, the people are still traveling. But I think what Wall Street is saying is that we're probably going to enter something like a recession, either a a soft or a hard landing. And uh, that that would imply less demand. But the real issue is going to be depletion. In if, the Joe Bi- if Joe Biden is reelected, he's going to bomb the oil fields. He's going to bomb the Permian Basin, not not Iranian <laughs> oil fields. He's going to bomb American oil fields. I mean, that's that's so the so the, the, the the super big sisters are going to have to retrench. That's why I'm three to, hours away from Midland. I got to create some distance. They're going uh, no, to construct an oil companies are going to construct an iron dome around the Permian Basin. <laughs> to protect themselves. All right, let's take a quick break. Jack Perusian, chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group. Jim LeCamp, senior VP of investments at Morgan Stanley. I'm Kudlow. Take a quick break. More on stocks after this. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. 
Back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking stocks with Jack Berugian, chairman of the Global Smarts Commodity Group, and Jim LeCamp, senior VP of investments at Morgan Stanley. Jack Berugian, uh, talk to me some more about commodities. I'm just looking at the uh, – we talked about gold. Silver had a very good week. Silver actually did better than gold this week. Uh, oil fell – Copper, however, was up uh, two percentage points. CRB futures, CRB futures overall was actually down. Um, would you buy commodities here, Jack? No, I don't think I would, Larry. Yeah. I, I, you know, it feels as if the, the commodity markets are always a precursor. They're, they're, they tell us uh, what to expect. Remember, these are input costs. So, so when they start to go lower, usually that's an indication that that there's going to be less demand, uh, you know, or oversupply. So, in this case, it feels as if the market's telling us there's going to be less demand out there. You know, that and the fact that, you know, the way this tenure has traded, it's created a lot of uncertainty. Uh, but more importantly, you know, what it's done is, you know, we've seen the dollar also stay relatively strong, mm. um, even throughout all of that volatility in the tenure. And with a strong dollar, that also puts pressure on commodities, too. So, no, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of buying commodities here. I think that we'll probably see those go down. I do think we'll see the, the, the 10-year rates go higher, uh, which is traded as a commodity, especially in our markets uh, in Chicago. Uh, and, and more importantly, I think that what we've got to do is be very careful, especially with what we're looking at uh, w- with equities. Uh, equities feel as if something doesn't smell right. This feels as if what we're going to go and experience in the next few weeks is going to be a blow-off top, uh, mm-hmm. things that we have all experienced and seen before, and, and that's what we need to be on the guard. Would you de-risk uh, equities, Jim LeCamp? I would, but I probably would push that off to the end of the year um, in that, uh, again, this this market has followed the counter. And, and, look, we've seen a lot of groups break out. I saw the aerospace, a lot of uh, the aerospace stocks are breaking out. Uh, as I mentioned, the airlines, the home builders have, have done well. Uh, some of the tech names, I, I would say the semiconductor index is inconclusive, but you did see a breakout on the Russell um, 2000 this week. So I think there's a little bit of gas left in the tank, but I wouldn't commit a lot of fresh money here, and I wouldn't start de-risking probably until the end of the year, maybe early January. Uh, Jack, the curve is very steeply inverted, uh, and I'm looking at um, the New York Fed model. So that's the three-month Treasury bill and the 10-year note. So all these rates went down, but not the bill rates. So 536 is what I have. It's down four basis points. But the two-year note was down 40 basis points. The five-year note down 35, and the 10-year note down 26 basis points. So... The curve is actually inverted more uh, from three months out to 10 years. Now, that's a recession signal, according to the New York Fed model, um, which is consistent with what you both are talking about. But it's also a Fed signal, right? The two-year note, um, there's not going to be any more Fed tightening in our lifetime, right? Well, you know, it doesn't make sense, Larry. It's almost like two different signals. You've got the the Fed coming out and saying we're still a long way from our 2% target. I mean, he said that time and time again. So whether they, they, 
they, they continue to, to raise rates now or they do it later, they're still not there. And and the reality is that they won't be there if, you know, and, and, and here's the flip side to that. Everyone's talking about rate cuts. If we see rate cuts within the next year, it's not going to be for the right reason. It's going to be because there's an economic problem, because there's mm. turmoil. Mm. That's why we're going to see rate cuts. You know, that we're not gonna, that's, that's the signal right now that the bond market, especially on the short end, is telling people. If there are, we're getting some very mixed signals across the board, and I think, you know, I, I, both of you would agree to that. This is probably the, the, the most mixed signal market I think we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Well, the Govey, and, and a lot of it, the Govey market doesn't believe the Fed. That's what you got. They don't believe the Fed. The Fed funds futures are suggesting 55% now chance of a cut by March, and mm-hmm. they've really moved that up. I mean, two weeks ago, uh, that was a very negligible number. And then you go out to May, and you've got 41% chance of one cut, 41% chance, uh, another 41% chance of two cuts, or at least uh, 50 basis points cuts. So you've got the Fed funds futures are saying a very high probability of cuts in the spring. So to Jack's point, if you're going into recession, the Fed doesn't want to lower their target rate because they haven't gotten their target of inflation, which is 2%. And it may take them quite a while to get there. It tends to be rather stubborn, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But the market doesn't believe that. The market just figures the Fed's going to cave in. That could be the gold signal, Jack. That could be the gold signal. Premature easing by the Fed. I I think we're all trying to figure that out. And and if that's the case, and if they start to cut rates, and they're doing that, they're going to lose complete credibility, Mm -hmm. right? And and we all know when that happens, uh, you know, then then all you know hell breaks loose. Well, they are going to keep shrinking their balance sheet, regardless of what the Fed funds rate does. They're going to keep shrinking their balance sheet. I mean, one of the key points here is they put a lot of liquidity in for the uh, bank problem this uh, past winter. But now they're trying to soak it up again. Anyway, we're out of time. We've soaked up all of our time. Jack Berusian of the Global Smart Commodity Group, thank you. Jim LeCamp of Morgan Stanley, thank you very much. 